pray. Draw us close, Holy Spirit, as the scriptures read, and the world is proclaimed. Let the word of faith be on our lips and in our hearts, and let all other people slip away. May there be one voice here today, voice of truth and grace. Amen. Um, the scripture reading today will be Act will be Acts nine verses one through nineteen. Oh, verses one through nine. Hear these words. Meanwhile, Saul was still spewing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest seeking letters to the synagogues in Damascus. If he found persons who belonged to the way, whether men or women, these letters would authorize him to take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. During the journey, as he approached Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven encircled him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice asking him, Saul, Saul, why are you harassing me? Saul asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, who you, whom you are harassing, came the reply. Now get up and enter the city. You will be told what you must do. Those traveling with him stood there speechless. They heard the voice, but saw no one. After they picked Saul up from the ground, he opened his eyes, but he couldn't see. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and neither ate nor drank anything. In Damascus, there was a certain disciple named there was a certain disciple named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision. Ananias, he answered, yes, Lord. The Lord instructed him, go to, to Judas' house on Straight Street and ask for a man from Taurus named Saul. He is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias enter and put his hands on him to restore his sight. Ananias countered, Lord, I have heard many reports about this man. People say he has done horrible things to your holy people in Jerusalem. He's here with a third... He's here with authority from the chief priests to arrest everyone who calls on your name. The Lord replied, Go, this man is the agent I have chosen to carry my name before Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. And Nias went to the house. He placed his hand on Saul and said, Brother Saul, Lord sent me, Jesus, who appeared to you on the way as you were coming here. He sent me so that you could see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, flakes fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. After eating, he regained his strength. He stayed with the disciples in Damascus for several days. The word of God for the people of God. Technology is an amazing thing. This week, we have something really incredible happening. Uh, we are using something called Sling Studios, not Sling TV. I almost said the wrong thing. Um, and Sling Studios, uh, we're renting some equipment and we're kind of doing a trial by error kind of deal. Um, what I really like about it is that, you know, we've been testing out Facebook Live for the last few weeks and we've gotten some good, um, some good feedback from that. And so what it's allowing us to do is have multiple camera angles. For instance, it's not on now, but I could uh, have my phone set up as a camera and I could be out there in the congregation filming whoever's up there. Um, isn't it amazing how far we've come? You know, uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Cameron Lasoya, and I'm the senior pastor. No, I'm kidding. I'm the uh, <laughs> I'm the interim youth minister here at uh, Chapelwood United Methodist Church. Technology has come such a far way from whenever I was a kid. I remember uh, we had this really cool phone when I was growing growing up. Um, it was called the Sony Ericsson, and I remember after I got my first new phone, 
Um, my mom had it in the closet, so I went and I got it, and that became my phone, because uh, he had already upgraded to a, a new phone. And what was so amazing is that it had all these great features that we loved and we played with, but it didn't have a camera on it, which back then was not a big deal, because most phones didn't have cameras on them just yet. It had this little thing you could plug into the camera and take pictures with that, but even then you couldn't see the pictures. And I don't even think we ever actually got it to work. Um, I want you all to think back. Think back to this time. It was about 1998. It's a big year. The gas price, the average gas price was about $1.15 a gallon. I want that back. Um, I, I didn't really know what was going on back then, but now, now I do, and I, I really want that back. Uh, this, there was this fairly unknown program that you can't go through a day without hearing about. Google was founded in 1998. It was also a very sad year. One of my favorite vocalists and one of the most iconic jazz singers uh, ever known, Frank Sinatra, would leave this world. And it was one of the biggest years in American history because one of the greatest things came to the United States. Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow were available in the United States for the first time ever, and it changed my life. It was also the year that Scott Jones was born into this world. Oh, no, I'm sorry, not, not Bishop Scott Jones. Uh, it's a different Scott Jones. This guy was a, um, a para paraplegic athlete. Um, eight, 1998 was a big year for me. It's the first year I graduated. Kindergarten. <laughs> I remember wearing my blue cap and my gown, and I, I walked across the stage, and they handed me my diploma, and, and they said this big question, Cameron, what do you want to be when you grow up? I had no idea. I knew that I was leaving kindergarten, meaning uh, we'd have a little bit less time at recess, and I would no longer have nap time. I was not excited for that. I didn't want to think about growing up. But I did remember that my, my stepdad really liked NASCAR. And so I remember saying, I want to be just like Jeff Gordon. Obviously, that did not happen. <laughs> a few years later, uh, my mom noticed that I, I had a nap. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, I had a knack for uh, building things with my Legos and, and thinking all these new technologies that were going to change the world. And she said, Cameron, I think you're going to be an inventor someday. I liked that. That was a lot of, that was a really fun idea. And I got all the way to seventh grade before I th started thinking a little bit more about it. See, I was told that in order to be an inventor, I would have to study electrical engineering. And it, it, if you're from this area of Texas, you know what's the most um, suggested school to go for engineering? Texas A&M. So I quickly changed my dreams, and I realized <laughs> I had a love for music, and I was really, really good at math. And so I decided I was going to be a math teacher, and I was going to be a high school choir director. And here I am, 14 years later, not a high school choir director, and thank God, not a math teacher. <laughs> God revealed to me that I'm called to do something just a little bit different. I want you to just think back for a moment. Um, if, you were, if you were alive in 1998, I want you to think about it. If you weren't, I want you all to not be too jealous about all the great things we had back then. What was it that you wanted to be when you grew up? Maybe you got what you wanted. Maybe you are exactly what you wanted to be whenever you were a kid, or maybe... 
maybe you took a different path. If you did end up doing something different, don't feel bad about it. In fact, uh, I used this uh, prestigious uh, polling company known as Cameron LaSoya Polling Company uh, on Facebook. And I and asked them a question. When, when you were a kid, you were asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? As an adult, did you achieve your dream or did you take a different path? And of the 219 people that voted, 78% of them said that they took a different path, while only 22% of them went off to do what they wanted to do. Life is unpredictable. In scripture, God meets all kinds of people, and, and through his interactions with them, they end up um, doing something quite different. In Exodus, God changes the life of Moses through the burning bush. This man who already had this crazy, this interesting life, probably never imagined that he was going to be going back to Egypt to free his Hebrew brothers and sisters. And when God called him, he even argued about it, saying, God, I have, I, 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 I have a stutter. Look at the disciples, these fishermen who, who would have never thought that they would be personal students of the Messiah. And Jesus tells them, leave your boats and follow me. What about the Apostle Paul? You see, Paul, who's also known as Saul, he, he was a good Jewish student. He was a Roman citizen, and he studied, at, uh, he studied at the, uh, with the rabbi Gamaliel, who was held in very high esteem with the Jews. He would uh, often quote the Pentateuch, or otherwise known as the first five books of the Bible, and used them in his teaching. He was very well known in the Jewish communities. Not for what you'd think, though. He was known for persecuting members of the way by arresting them, by binding them up, by calling for their death. And we know that this is very, very big, and God wants us to hear it because it tells us not just once, but twice in today's scripture. At one point it says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any way or anybody who belonged to the way, whether women or men, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And then later on, it, even says, it says it again twice. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and the harm that he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But that's not where it ends. That's where God says, go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their king and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And we know that Saul went off to write out of the 27 books of the New Testament, at least 13 books. Although some scholars might suggest that it was actually 14 books. His life was changed in a way that we could have never predicted. Life is unpredictable. Just like it was for Paul and the disciples, we never truly know what's going to happen next. Which is so interesting because we are planners. We like to see that big picture. This is probably one of the reasons why I hate puzzles. I hate puzzles. Uh, when I was at college at the SFA Wesley Foundation, my friend Jessalyn, uh, during dead week and finals week, she would always bring out a, a puzzle and we would solve it. And I, I spent too much time working on the puzzles instead of studying. So to those of you about to go to college, don't work on puzzles. Um, <laughs> but I always fixated on one piece. And that was the piece that was, this was my piece and I will find where it goes. 
And I, I would always, because I was so fixated on that one piece, I would always forget about these other pieces and all the other combinations that I could put them in. And you know what the worst part of a puzzle is, though? After you're done, what do you do with it? Like, you've just spent hours and hours, if not days and weeks, on this puzzle. Some people have the audacity to break it up and put it back in the box. <laughs> I, 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 I tell you, I can't have any puzzles in my apartment, because if I were to solve them, I would have no eating space. I would have no flat surface anywhere in my apartment, because they would just be solved. Um, I'd rather glue them together and put them in a poster somewhere in my house. I remember there was this one particular puzzle at the Wesley Foundation that we were almost done and then we all looked around and we were looking everywhere because we were missing one piece. One piece of a 5,000 piece puzzle. And then, after our frustration, my friend Jimmy walks in and says, oh, y'all are good, y'all are done. Here's the last piece. And pulled it out of his pocket. Life is this puzzle, and we can plan it. We can, all, uh, we can all find the similar looking pieces. We can try to solve this puzzle as much as we want, but we maybe come up one piece short. Many of you have thought, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to get my degree, and four years from now, I'm going to have the job of my dreams. But then you get there, and, and you find you don't really want to do that major. You don't really like that major. Or, or maybe you find the girl or boy of your dreams and, and they're a year or two younger than you and you have to spend a little bit more time there so that they could finish their degree. And you find a job that you love and you end up spending the rest of your life there. Maybe you don't even get accepted to the school of your choice. You know, I, I think a lot of one of my favorite movies of all time, Mr. Holland's Opus. Um, if you've ever seen it, if you've not seen it, let me, let me tell you a little bit without spoiling it too much. It's this teacher who, who uh, takes this job teaching so that he could get his big break. He wants to make money. <laughs> uh, he wants to make money as a teacher so that he could go to New York and then become famous for his music. But if you've ever seen the movie, you know he never gets to go to New York. He never gets his big break. So you all might, some of y'all might know this hymn. It's one of my absolute favorites. Take my life and let it be. I love the song. It was one of the first songs I sang in the United Methodist Church, and yet I have a problem with it. My friend uh, Roy used to always uh, tell me about this in church anytime we sang it. Take my life and let it be. That's it. That's the title. Take my life and let it be. To me, that implies, hey God, here I am. Don't change me. Keep me as I am. But it goes on. It doesn't just say, take my life and let it be. It says, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, for thee. What if we truly were like that? If we truly wanted God to take our lives, our hands, our voices, our moments, and our hearts and guide them to what he wants us to do, what God needs us to do, things will happen. We may lose our jobs due to budget cuts, or maybe we're in an unhealthy relationship. Or, or maybe God will reveal himself in an extraordinary way like he did to Paul or Moses or the disciples. Whatever the case, all of us have to take our next step in our faith journey with Christ. These students today who are being baptized or confirmed, they're taking a very, very big step in their faith journey. Maybe that's your next step. I don't know God's plan for your life. Um, I'm still trying to discover God's plan for my life. 
but I pray that you will take an opportunity to take your next step and be open to taking it when the time comes and when he calls you to it. And I, I also pray that um, if you're trying to figure out what those next steps are, or if you know what they are, you just don't know how to go about it, talk to any of us here at Chapelwood. Peter and Josh, they say it every week. Chapelwood exists to help ourselves and others take their next steps with their faith journey in Christ. May God continue to draw you closer. May you be open to what he is calling you to do. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.